Okay, so here's the thing before we begin. You know that we were joking about how the podcast is going to be all messed up um, while Laura isn't here to steer the ship and edit it and make sure it's actually good? Yeah. Um, basically what had happened was we had Holly Green on as a guest. Um, wonderful guest. She was she's absolutely wonderful. Um, the only problem is is we all three of us recorded ourselves as is podquisition norm. Uh, recorded ourselves separately so that I could edit the recordings together and have a good sounding show. And I had a uh, MP3 Skype recorder open as well as a backup recording in case anything went wrong. Well, something went wrong. Um, for some reason, Audacity decided to record myself and Gavin in Holly's file. Uh, the only issue with that being it made us sound like we were coming through on really bad cell phones. Don't know why. Uh, and MP3 Skype recorders decided to help by being fucking shit. Uh, not only did it cut off partway through the recording, uh, what audio we do have has me at such a reduced volume, um, there's there's no way to bring me up to par with the others. I, I don't know why, again. Uh, it makes no sense. But nothing about anything that happened here made sense. Now, I'm not angry, and I'm, I'm not furious that MP3 Skype Recorder is a piece of fucking shit, but the best recording I have, the best I can do, is put up Holly's, which, again, makes it sound like she's having a phone conversation with me and Gavin uh, on, on phones that aren't particularly good. Now, I debated just just cancelling the entire thing and, and rescheduling for next week. But I figured, I guess, I'll go the Mighty Number no. 9 route and say it's better than nothing. So with a huge, huge, huge caveat, here's the latest episode of Podquisition, and, and I can only apologise for the quality of it. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's the day I've had with, with everything I've tried to record and make and do today has just been fucking ghastly, so I'm, I'm sorry. Also, if you've not completed Fallout 4, there's some huge spoilers that go on as well, so be warned about that, and again, fuck, I'm sorry. No way I'll just sit here when I know that there's hard cash coming back. show we do we're doing is that the show we're doing gav uh i don't know like i just said i stopped listening like an hour ago when you two were talking so <laughs> i don't know what we're doing here this I is thought, my music podcast i thought this shit was Hi, this well, shark, welcome so. to gav's music podcast <laughs> laura's not here so we don't know what we're doing we're lost yeah. and rudderless we're rudderless what? at sea why, why don't we tell the audience what happened the first day we tried to do pod position without laura <laughs> yeah um, so we're joined by Holly Green today. Hello, Holly. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, so we got Holly, uh, who doesn't have, you know, all the time in the world to spare for the likes of us. Oh, what? Uh, I work from home. 
<laughs> but we, we all gathered on Tuesday to record. Um, we normally record on Wednesdays, but we moved it for uh, to Tuesday. Uh, them even I can't even talk without Laura. I, I swear I needed to wipe my fucking ass. Um, so we all met, met on Tuesday so that everyone's schedules aligned and couldn't get anything to work. Couldn't get any recorders to work. Um, that's what happens when Laura's not here to babysit us. Uh, <laughs> but everything fingers crossed is working now. We should have a backup recording. And everyone else should be recording separately, so it should all work. And then I get to edit it all together on my own without any oversight. So that's that's going to be a laugh. And I've got to do it double quick because we are recording on Thursday and the podcast goes up on Thursday and there will be heads rolling in the street if it's not up. So I will be editing this as soon as we're done and making sure that goes up on the day of recording. But that's neither here nor there. We've got a show to do. And we're going to get on with it, and we're going to soldier on, and everything's going to be fine. Hello, Holly. Hi. What are video games? Do you do <laughs> for the listeners who might be curious and who might not know um, who you are, despite your prolificness? That's not a word. I know. But I you have, are prolific. I have to admit, it it got to me a little bit that there were people who didn't know who I was, and then it was like, well. But it's fucking, fucking shocking. Jim Sterling. I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> um, well, I'm primarily... I hate that I, when you walk into a pub and, like, no, someone doesn't know who you are. And you're like, don't you fucking know who I am? It's Buy me a drink. Buy me a fucking drink <laughs> to make up for you not knowing I walked who I around Mississippi Comic Con last Saturday for an hour before someone knew who I was. <laughs> and then I left immediately after because I got what I wanted. <laughs> I just wanted to show up in front of my wife and my friends that that I'm a tiny bit famous. And then we stood up the Million Dollar Man. Mm. See, Jim, Escapist Expo gave us false uh, hope on that one, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone everyone knew who we were at those. Well, I tell you what, my local pharmacy... Now, my pharmacist is a fan of mine, I found out. Um, Because I went up there. I probably talked about this before on the show, but it's... It, the show's named after me, so if you have a problem with my ego, then you're at the wrong place. Um, I went to the, the local pharmacy, and I was wearing my Mysterio shirt, which is a, a gym-positioned shirt. You can get it from sharkrobot.com. And he saw it, and he says, are you familiar with the internet personality Jim Sterling? Oh, my God. And I just kind of pointed at my own face, and then he kind of flipped out and everything. And let me tell you, that whole wait up to an hour for us to have your pills ready is bollocks because all you need to do is have like a, a d-list tier quasi-popular web show and they'll get you your pills in five minutes i mean that's like <laughs> half the reason to have a d-list podcast <laughs> exactly. get, get the cut down on wait times when i want it i just didn't even have to send the Uber away. I'm like, just wait here. I'll get my medicine in five minutes. That's our life hack for you. Uh, if you're the kind of person who uses the, the term life hack. Um, but we got we got totally sidetracked there. Um, Holly, uh, I first well, I first met you when we were both working for the same entity. Yeah, and actually, it's I haven't seen you since then. I miss you. It's been like four years since you know since I, I actually know, got to shake your hand. Was the very last PAX that I ever went to in like 2013. Oh no, you saw something. me at PAX? Oh, I thought you saw me last at E3. 
No. Oh, no, that's right. That's No, I seem to remember that now. I seem to remember a Destructoid party. And actually, one of the it's really funny because one of the first times we met, you know, I, I wasn't anything or anybody yet. And then, you know, I, I remember telling you at the time that I was coming for you. I was like, watch out because you're going to hear that name and you're going to know. Like, And you're like, all right, I'll take your word for it. You're like this. I know. Chick's, I, you're like, I this chick's it. crazy. Like, <laughs> oh no, no. Why? What you wouldn't have known that I'd have done was I'd have laughed it off, and we were like, ah, "Okay, I'll see you there," and and then secretly would have withdrawn somewhere and just they're out to get me. I was very <laughs> paranoid when I worked at Destructoid. Um, it was it was a very competitive atmosphere back then. It's really and, it's funny to hear it, you say that, just because of how like afraid and reverent people were towards you. So. You know. Yeah, I was terrified of everyone. Yeah. I was like King Lear on a crumbling throne. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, I'm psychologically better off not being there. Sorry, um, <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, no, 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 you know, much respect, much respect. I owe them my career and everything. They shouldn't Absolutely. have let the UK team go. That's all I'm saying. I said it last week, I'll say it again. Um yeah, I think, right, but, you know, I mean, when, when uh, E3 2012, I mean, that was like, that was a golden year, and that was, that yeah, was a really great E3 for me. that's when I first saw you, but first me. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Which, I think I kind of terrified you a little bit. Maybe I can be a bit breezy, a little too familiar. <laughs> so, but, um, but yeah, it's been a while. I keep it's on hoping. Whiskey. I keep on hoping you'll still come out to PAX Prime, at least. I mean, you I know. I want to, um... I wanted to do it this year. Well, I wanted. To, I was going to do PAX East this year, and I did. I know you I teased me do... with it. You, you, you tease. <laughs> I know. I, I, I blew you off. I felt. I felt really bad about it because I, I was excited to see you again. Because I, again, haven't seen you since like twenty thirteen. Right. Um, no. No. You know, yeah. Thirteen. Yeah. Okay. At this point, it's been longer than Mighty Number no. Nine's development cycle, <laughs> which is <laughs> terrible. Um, but yeah, I wanted to do PAX Prime, but because I've just got too many travel plans that have all happened at once I'm probably going to have to put it off another year um, which sucks because I miss I mix I mix I miss Pax Prime I miss Seattle like I love Seattle misses I you man like I, I admit that like I'm, I can be really selfish about my friends coming up here I want them to come up here so I can be like alright meet my other best friend Seattle you know and like paint the town red you know so it's like yeah get up here so I can show you a good time dude what the fuck but I understand. I mean, I might just because I know so many fucking people in Seattle now. Like, so many people have moved there or they work there. And, yeah. And whatnot. Uh, I yeah. might just not even use PAX as an excuse. I might just sometime next year just be like, fuck it. Just, just go up for a trip. Um, been trying to do that a bit more, a bit more vacation time because um, I don't take it enough. Um, I'll be in Atlanta actually this weekend for July 4th. I'm uh, going to see some friends up there and and whatnot, um, but again, we we we've been doing this for about almost ten minutes, and still haven't got the proper introductions. <laughs> this is what happens when I lead a show. People say, "Why did Laura like take lead on it when it's like your show, Jim?" Because I'm shit at it. That's why. See, at this point, um, you're see at this point, the audience could be. Is she a video game janitor? Who is this person? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just. Let me stop getting in the way and just okay. greet greet the listener and, and let them know a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I'm just a games critic and reporter. Up until recently, I was the managing editor over at Game Ranks for about three and a half years. Um, 
I started writing about games probably about 2008 and transitioned professionally in about 2010. So, uh, you know, this past year was my seventh E3. I'm also the author of Fry Scores, an unofficial guide to video game grub. And I, yeah, I think that's all I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you actually did, um, you, you published Fry Scores, which was successfully kickstarted. And, um, yeah, that, that's a, a cookbook that is all based on video game stuff. Yeah, that was, that was a project. That sounds that interesting. Was, if that was a project that was actually drafted up while I was at Destructoid, but I left before any real work began, and so I just kind of made it my own, and over the course of like a year and a half, pulled that together, and in the process became a really great food photographer, so that's kind of my second career. And, um, you know, thinking about a sequel, but yeah, it was successfully kickstarted for, you know, about $3,000, and that got the uh, Kindle edition out there. So now we, we're on Kindle, we're on iBooks, we're on Gumroad, you can go and get the PDF. Um, we're on torrented sites that stole my work and then gave it out for free. <laughs> so you can do that too. But guess what? It's an older version. That I, sucks. So have fun with that. <laughs> I, I feel I feel your pain on that one, believe me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got, got being yeah. a musician and, and whatnot. Uh, see, I'm all right. Like, people ask, like, is it okay if I download your Jimquisitions? I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, I've... I've not got ads on them. Any ads that are on them, it's probably Nintendo running them or something. Like, help your fucking self, mate. Um, but yeah, like that is that is a shame. The whole uh, torrenting. Yeah, my, and whatnot. my shit comes up on torrent sites literally minutes after it's released. Oh man, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you know, there you, there is that whole. I suppose it's good they're listening to it however they mm-hmm. listen to it and then that kind of thing. And, and I get the idea that, you know, if they were going to pirate it, they probably wouldn't have bought it. So, But well, I, look, I can what, imagine what, it being frustrating. You know? well, what I always say about it is that, like, some people just can't afford to buy stuff and yeah. I don't judge them for that. But I, would, I always just say when you can afford it, if you can, please buy it. Yeah, because, yeah. Like, you know, then if you're you supporting en- the artist. If, if you enjoy the work that, that Gav or Holly do, and, and you've you know maybe surreptitiously uh, sampled their wares, like when you got some money, kick them a few bucks. They do deserve it. Uh, and then if you've got any left over, I've got a Patreon that I I, <laughs> I need another ivory back scratcher, mate. So yeah, I, I, good. Try, I try to have a good attitude about that stuff. I mean, I kind of view it as. You know, people who do that probably couldn't afford to or wouldn't have purchased my book anyways. I see some of it as, hey, there's still such a thing as libraries and people borrowing things from other people. There's there's a huge sector of people who would never have bought my book anyways because of traditional stuff like that. And things going digital doesn't really kind of change that fact. So it's like I don't try to justify people stealing things, but at the same time I recognize I can't view every single thing as a missed sale or a lost yeah, sale sure. because that's just yeah, like so self defeating. I think a lot of it isn't lost sales. Exactly. Like, that exactly. Like if someone goes to the library to get your book instead of you know, is is that a missed sales? Like no, they didn't have they weren't gonna buy that, you know, so I don't I had the same attitude about ad blocker when that was when ads were a, were how I were you know, got primarily paid, you know. It it doesn't pay to attack the audience. Um, but rather to view anyone who is pirating using Adblock or anything like that as a potential future customer. Don't, um, don't do a Lars Ulrich. Yeah, don't. Yeah, right. Heavens no, don't do a Lars Ulrich. Um, so, I, and I've always had success doing that. You know, I, I had success doing that with Adblock for a while. It's like, yeah, I get it. Ads suck. 
a lot of ad companies are malicious and, and really really justify the existence of ad blocker um, but if you if you do want to support ad supported people um, whose work you enjoy you know maybe consider turning it off like just keep it casual don't don't attack people because that just brings out the the obstinance in someone I think yeah. where they, they they think fuck you you can't tell me what to do I, I'll ad block you twice somehow um, plus I think but- that I think the attitude of kind of saying, you know, if someone provides you entertainment and you support them as a creator, try to kick them some money in some way at some point, is probably a better way to approach things in the digital era anyways. Just, just for instance, like, I decided I wanted to play Mother 3, and there at the time there was no translation, but the fans did one, and it was excellent, right? And it's like, well, what are the ethical implications here of me downloading this and playing this when I have no means to get it over here and never will? And so it's like, okay, well, when you get a chance, you know, who's holding the franchise now? Hey, maybe buy some merchandise or support one of the artists or kick them some money that way and support, like, the creative work in some way if you can't directly purchase a copy. So, you know, I think that's a more optimistic and probably more fair approach. I think it is. And I always, especially when it's something like Mother 3, um, when it's companies like Nintendo that are concerned, I get a bit more cavalier about it because I'm like, they're not localizing it and bringing it out here. Right. Companies like Nintendo actively fight imports. It's like the message here is, well, they don't want my money. So I might as well just fucking, you know, download it or something. Nintendo's not interested in my money, so... Looking at you, HBO. Right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's no fucking way in Ireland to stream Game of Thrones legit. There's just no... you can't. It cannot be done. You just you have no choice but to pirate it or you get spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Like that, yeah. That's the I've issue. I've heard that like before. Yeah. In certain territories, like they have no choice, and that that sucks. I am sympa- sucks. I'm sympathetic to that very much. Absolutely. Uh, look at us having nice, serious, interesting. Yeah. Is that not what happens on the show? Video game news. <laughs> I suppose we should. Um, I did. This is what happens when Laura's not here to to direct us back on topic? <laughs> I um. People probably assume that I didn't look up news and, and prepare discussion topics. And had we recorded on Tuesday when we planned, that assumption would have been true. But because we had two extra days, that assumption is not true. I have stuff we can talk about. Oh, dang, um, I was going to say, we can just talk about me the whole there time. I mean. We could just talk about Holly. That I mean, We could fill a two-hour <laughs> show with that. Um so I, I'll, I guess I'll point out the, the first. It broke today, actually, if anyone's got anything to say about it. Uh, apparently Bioshock the Collection has been um, officially announced for the sometime after the summer. I think it's like September or October. It's one of those over ember months. Is it like a, a, a remastered, upgraded thing? or is it? Just it's one the... of those again, yeah. <laughs> one of those again. We knew, yeah, like, just number <laughs> thousand. Um, I don't mind them because it makes my job easier as a reviewer. Um, because I, yeah. because I wrote a lot of stuff for Destructors and the Escapist, right? Um, and a lot of the reviews on the Escapist like never got read because people, like even months into it, I talk about being the reviews editor there, and they're like, "The Escapist does reviews." What? And I'm like, "Yes, they're they're the things I link every fucking day." <laughs> so when a remaster comes out. I just get to repost what I wrote. Like, I'll make a few edits and, and update it a bit, 
but it, it basically gives reviews I wrote that no one read a second chance. Mm. So I don't mind remasters so much. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the Bioshock, I mean, Bioshock, yeah. Bioshock is a, it's a beautifully designed game artistically, but it's definitely one that you could technically use a coat of paint. Yeah. I think the first one especially will um, yeah. give, giving it a visual update for. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, PC, and that. Like, that's a good idea. See, this puts me in a really shit position, because I own all three of the games, and it's one of those things, you know, I have my Steam stack of shame, but it's... Because what I do, I I don't know, a lot of my work is so academic, that when I play games, it's literally for research. And so, it's like, okay, I gotta get to these games. They're just sitting there. And now this new version's gonna come out, and so it's like... You know, part of the reason I hadn't gotten around to him yet, you get to Bioshock Infinite, and it's like, oh, man, I'm so behind, and it feels almost worthless to play it because I'm not going to be keeping up by playing it now. And the other two are so aged that it's like, do I really want to slug through these really outdated mechanics? And so now there's going to be this new version, and I don't know if I can bring myself to pay for these games again when I haven't even gotten to the original ones, and yet they're so... The first two are going to be rough enough that, you know, so... I don't know, what are those updates going to look like? Are they only visual, or there's... Is there going to be more there? Because I don't know if it's going to be worth it for me at this point. And I know I need to get yeah. around to it. I know I need to get around to it. Like, this, I mean, with System Shock 2, I purchased that when it went up on good old games. And it was just like, okay, this is, it is not aged well. I can't do this. Yeah. And now they're going to do like, a new I, one, and it's gonna, that's going to be better. I, so bad I, I agree with System you on that Shock one. I, 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 tried playing play System, yeah, I tried playing it for the first time last year. I, again, on GOG, like I, and it, it just has... For me, it was the same as when I went back and tried Half-Life 1. It yeah. just hasn't aged that well. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you on Half-Life 1 as well. And it sucks because, you know, culturally there's there's a lot of uh, impacts that System Shock 2 had on them. Um, exactly, so it's like you have to experience edge. this. I mean, it's none of those games that was like, I know I'm going to like this, especially as a, I very specifically focus on horror games. And, like, mm-hmm. as a historical thing, just to get this background knowledge, like, I need to have this experience. And it's like, I, oh, my God, do not make me suffer through these bland-ass yeah. freaking polygons. I can't do it. You know? I'm, a, I'm a big fan of villainous characterization. It's, it's something that fascinates me. And everything I've heard about Shodan makes me want to play it and experience, like, you know, the interactions the player has with this um, AI character and... Sorry, I like I've tried more than once to play System Shock Two, and I, you know, I'm waiting. I played the demo of the the System Shock remaster that's on Kickstarter now. Um, infinitely more playable, uh, so I'm really looking forward to at least that yep. one, and then hopefully if that goes well. They do. Yeah, I'm System keeping Shock my eye 2. on that. I'd like I had a similar experience recently, and people got really mad at me for this. I had that experience recently with Pathologic. With that Russian kind of... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tried playing that one as well. Before. Yeah, and so <laughs> part, of was the, part of the problem was I didn't realize the review copy I was getting was not the remaster that they're doing. But it didn't really matter. At the end of the day, it was just, okay, This I love a rough... I, I will suffer through the roughest of shit. I am, like, the biggest fan of um, mods and user-made games, you know, like, based on amnesia and fear engines and stuff, like... I will play through something really love, rough and love that diamond in the rough shit. Like, that is my jam. But oh, yeah. If, well, so you're if talking it's some, to a deadly premonition. That, that, fan, right. Like, exactly. That sounds, like, exactly. That sounds like someone I know. Exactly. And so it's like, no, Jim, you're the one that introduced me to that game. And, like, that started a whole new branch of my career getting into that game. But, I mean, the point is I can love a diamond in the rough. I love things that are, that are flawed that still have that one good thing about them. But I couldn't break through with Pathologic. I just... 
I'm gonna have to wait. Yeah. I'm gonna have to wait till that remaster because I can't do this, you guys. <laughs> I'm the same way. Like Pathologic is another one that I, I never got to play in the day, and everything I've seen about it aesthetically, like just the visual style of it, is incredible. But I've I've tried to play it more than once. Um, actually, I I think I tr- I think I did a video of me trying to play it. I'm trying to remember if that was the game, and I think I may have tried the remaster, and even that I found hard to. Uh, get get around like get used to pathologic let me just double check i know i keep on saying pathologic classic hd that's it i subtracted right. i am very sorry because <laughs> it was such a bad video you know what's funny the, is in, in my in my it. entire career i've only ever had two angry reviews where i was like angry at how bad a game was and it was anna which i reviewed a destructoid and, i remember yeah yeah and i was just like oh well I, I was pissed about that. And well then, deserved. I played it a little while afterwards. It was, it was direct. Yeah, and see, and, that, and that's the exact genre of shit that I like, and it was, even the production values were I could put up with, but there was stuff going on there, and that just made me mad. And then Pathologic, that was the other one, where I'm just, this is so unplayable, I'm pissed. Like, this is consumer advocacy, you know, so. <laughs> I'm I'm just psyched for that Call of Duty 4 remake. I can't, I can't wait for that. I think that'll be it's really be- culturally significant and profound. <laughs> it's uh, that get uh, I'm you joke, but that game was hugely culturally significant. That game completely changed video games and the entire industry. Call of Duty for it changed our entire culture. That was the it's game better. that made Call of Duty a household name. Okay, fair. Okay, that worse. part's fair. That's very fair. Um, I mean, for better or yeah, for for better or worse, whatever you feel about the games, you, yeah. like, it was a hugely culturally significant game. I mean, it shaped a it shaped a generation, um, and I think we're seeing this generation being shaped more like more by um, you know your League of Legends, your, your MOBA type yeah. games. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're seeing uh, what I call hero based gameplay, which can be in any genre, but it's distinctly based around. Uh, very set characters with skills and cooldowns, and we've seen that with Overwatch being as huge as it is. You know, yeah, you know, it's funny um, that we apply that so much to Overwatch too. When I think the term the qu- the term was coined specifically for Battleborn, if I remember right, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Battleborn is way closer to a, a MOBA than than Overwatch, but because oh, they came so, out at yeah. the same time and they're both very colorful shooters, they got compared. Oh and yeah. yeah, Battleborn lost. Oh my goodness, Um, so much so. Because I actually kind of liked Battleborn. I loved it. Honestly, I loved it. Yeah, and, 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 you know, um, there just weren't enough people to play. I mean, it's really, really alarming when you're playing a game like that and you realize you're running into the same people over and over again. It's like, oh, okay, how small is this user base? Because that's really unusual. Yeah. Well, there was a... I'm planning a Jimquisition on it, like, like... When there's a quiet week, um, actually, I mean, considering I've got a, a trip and I've got to get a, that video done by tomorrow morning um, ahead of time, I'm, it might be this Monday's one, but no guarantees. But I, I want to do a post mortem on that game because I really did like it. I, I, I liked it a hell of a lot, uh, but it, it's such a tragedy what happened to that game. Like, like its timing week. was it? Its timing was timing was bad. bad. Blizzard's um, timing with Overwatch almost seemed vindictive. I mean, that was <laughs> brutal. It was like, okay, y'all's fucked. And then what? Two weeks later, they dropped the price down to forty bucks, and that's yeah. Basically, on Overwatch's launch, I think I, if not the day, then the day after. It's like they dropped, they slashed the price in half. Um, stories kept coming out of like. 
there, there was a, a, a piece of overclocking software on Steam, and that was quote unquote played more than Battleborn. Like more people used this bit of overclocking software than they were oh, Battleborn. Story after story was coming out. It was just a humiliation conga line that the poor game went through. And you could see that they were kind of you could you could see they were kind of grasping for straws too because that story came out where like oh well we've sort of we've sold as much as the first battle or the first Borderlands game. And I was like, dude, <laughs> yeah. And now we're like past Borderlands pre sequel and like that is not a good metric of success if you're going all the way back to the original Borderlands because Borderlands two was. Even Enormous, but they were trying to spin straw out of you know spin gold out of straw. Yeah, yeah they were they're basically so, name dropping Borderlands to impress us because we were thinking. And of they the needed like a, like a they needed a metric of success to compare themselves to, and they had to go as far back as Borderlands, and that yeah, you know yeah, and um, you know every time I bring it up, I, I get people saying you know maybe this is karma, and I'm like, yeah, but they got the wrong game. What like like. Yeah, Gearbox deserves it for Colonial Marines, but Battleborn was good. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not a that vindictive a person. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to make that point before. Like my my views of Randy Pitchford are very well known. My views of Gearbox's behaviour during the whole Colonial Marines thing very well known. But I don't care what your your past is with regards to what you put out. If you make a good game, you make a good game. And Battleborn was a damn good game, and I don't think it deserves the... I don't think it... it it's not the Gearbox game that deserved to fail. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the sad thing. How much, how much did Duke Nukem sell again? Didn't that do huge oh, sales? I, I, if I look up the exact number, I will probably just cry. Die. Until I <laughs> um, yeah, that was also... Uh, a, a, a black mark in Gearbox's history. Uh, although, if you listen to Randy talk, he loves it. He thinks Colonial Marines and Duke Nukem Forever were both brilliant games. I wish, wish I had his dealer. I honestly but, do. You know, he sometimes I'll see him on Twitter, and there's certain things he retweets, and it, it, he seems like a like a guy who kind of wants to be liked and is very maybe a little too optimistic, and so I can kind of see him being a little self He's very charming. That. He's, he's yeah. a charming man. I've met him a couple of times, and I've always I've always enjoyed interacting with him. Like, I genuinely want to like the man. Um, but his, his behavior, his unseemly behavior, uh, not to mention the fact that he, he blocked me on Twitter when I was legitimately trying to make some, some points about Colonial Marines. I wasn't attacking the man. Um, I'm not the kind of person who gets bent up out of shape of, uh, over being blocked. I'm still blocked by David Boreanaz, and I still fully concur that I deserved that block. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was the fact he, he will not listen to criticism of, of these games. You know, he mm. would rather tell people. He, he never uses my name, but he... He quotes exact things I've said, so it's clear he's talking about me. But he will tell people in public that I'm a liar uh, and that I'm vindictive oh, and that geez. I'm out to get him. Uh, and I'm like, no, like I don't. I, I all I want is for Randy Pitchford to fess up to say I fucked it. I'm sorry, so that I can go back to liking him. That's all I want. I want to go back to liking the and, man. You know, a show of self-reflection, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was going to bring this up. Uh, it's funny when you encounter 
that sometimes just a little, little bit of that delusion because I had a similar moment with John Schaefer. If I don't know if you remember the director of civilization five. Okay. Okay. And do yeah, you, yeah, so yeah, do you yeah. remember there was a big hullabaloo when they changed things over to more a hex a hexagon cell system for the mm-hmm. game, um, which was taken from, I believe a previous game that he was a fan of or had worked on. And then promptly after Civ five, he left and they've still retained this feature that really pisses off fans. So now he has his own game, and I was interviewing him about that for Game Ranks, like, last year or so. And I asked him about it. I was like, so, about those, you know, hex- those hexagon tiles, you know, and people are still pissed off about that. I mean, I was hearing about that, like, yesterday on Twitter. People were bitching about that. And and so I asked him about it, and this response I get back was just, I'm not kidding. It was It was basically like, oh, no, 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 people liked that, though, and it was fine and great. And just moved on. I was just like, yeah, Fair enough. like, like, no, but I just told you though, that people like are still have, be- and they're just, I, he just blew past it. I was like that. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I am impressed. Cause that was why sidestep things when you can just like completely ignore the thing I said and just Life like, would go be with the opposite. If, that's, if, if I could do that, if I could ignore all of the criticism, I mean, the Jimquisition would be a way shitter show, but I'd be <laughs> a happier dude if, if, if I had that, that X-Man ability to just rush past, um, complaints uh, no matter how legitimate they are uh, i guess um, i guess they have the luxury of having some level of detachment from direct criticism on twitter yeah. and stuff like that i suppose yeah, well, that your, your job is not to brush past complaints no exactly sadly. exactly <laughs> yeah. no, exactly you would argue that also that would be also a developer's job but well eh, you know yeah i do i've said this to jim and laura many times holly i do not envy the job of games reviewers it's 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 a thankless job a lot of the time <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're pretty much damned no matter what you do. I mean, no matter what. After a while, you get to this point where you realize. And here's what other people don't realize. I think it's like, you know, we're gonna get yelled at no matter what we say because there's always gonna be someone who disagrees with that thing. So it doesn't. It's not really worth it to lie, really, because yeah. you're, because yeah. even if you were to lie and try to go with what you think everyone else would say or what you think people want you to say, or even if you're gonna lie and be cynical, et cetera, whatever, it's. <laughs> you're going to get flack no matter what you say. So you might as well be true to yourself, you know, and say what you actually mean because you're not going to be able to skirt negativity or criticism or hostility from people on the basis of saying what they want to hear because yeah. everyone wants to hear something different. Yeah, you know? reviewers get accused often of, you know, writing clickbait, of trying to piss people off to get traffic. And it's like, no, 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 no. Y'all are going to get pissed off no matter what. We don't have to try, darling. Right. Uh, it, it will just happen. Um, often, sometimes with games that are completely unexpected. Like, I never expected anyone to go to bat for that Mad Max game that Warner Brothers put out the other year, but uh, they did. Uh, I wasn't trying to call controversy, it just happened, but uh, there you go. Um, hey, the first time someone ever went after me was for Sonic Colors. <laughs> oh, God! Oh, remind me. I still... I actually only recently um, got done dealing with a guy who would... He'd go to my Ask FM page every day uh, to talk about Sonic Colors. And we talked about it on Podquisition in previous episodes. Every day. And when I when I say, like, like when this happened, I'm talking about a few weeks ago. Oh over a review God. I wrote six years back. No, that's what I was going to say. I saw Sonic Colors at E3 2010. My first... Oh, my God. 
Yeah, like it's such an old game, and there are still a couple of people out there who are furious with me that I didn't like it. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry it's shit, but it is. Uh, and there's nothing I can do about it. If I could go back in time and make it a good game, I would do that. But I can't. Same goes for Vanquish. Yeah. You know, it's, you know it's, it's funny. When I worked at the Tanuki, we were, you know, primarily a Nintendo site, um, Nintendo news site, and, um, you know, some of the worst language that's ever been thrown at me or any of my articles was, was there, and I think that's, I think it takes the sting off of a lot of the negativity that I do experience and the things that people say online, because some of the worst of it, like, I remember back to some of the language that was used on our article about the top 100 Pokemon, and it's like, uh, a lot of you are kids testing out swear words for the first time, and I need to really not take this very seriously, which is not to undermine any how other people feel about those kinds of um, comments and, and attacks on their character. It's just one thing that kind of puts it personally into perspective for me. Just kind of, yeah. <laughs> Nintendo's a crazy one. Like, we spent most of E3 making fun of everything that was happening, and then I made one joke about Nintendo, uh, Zelda, and my mentions just became a flood of rage. Yep. Nintendo fans are a special sort. Yeah, they are yeah. Uh, They're passionate. That's God the love them. God love them. They are passionate. I mean, yeah. on one hand, so I have a lot of friends at Nintendo, you know, just casually, testers, and um, you know, Gil, Gil Ruda and I are friendly. Um, and, you know, when fans were rallying to get some version of, of Majora's Mask you know, on some new platform, there was a, like, Nintendo employees that I knew, there was a lot of eye rolling and just like, oh my god, you, these people are annoying. And then, you know, years later, <laughs> right? <a> like, <laughs> there's a funny irony to it, though, because, like, all through, like, E3, you're, you're kind of mocking the, the, the fans of the, like, hyper-violent aggressive bloody games kind of laugh at all the jokes and then it's the fans of the kind of lovely twee cutesy games that get really fucking angry and abusive they get really vicious <laughs> yeah it is strange i don't know if maybe uh maybe they are people who are a bit self-conscious about what they love being cutesy and colorful and and a you bit know, kiddie i was gonna put it I in a know. better terms i was gonna say on a social level we've put them in the position to be a bit defensive but, yeah. Possibly, yeah, yeah. But then again, I mean, fuck. I mean, I'm like, not a Pokemon I, fan, but if I were, I it's probably not something I would bring up in the pub. Yeah, <laughs> right. But, I mean, I wear my my Kirby love on my sleeve. Like, I'm not I'm not ashamed of my my adoration for a game about a little round pink thing. Um, so that just that sounded like that a little round pink any sorts thing. of context. You love lots of little round <laughs> pink things. Oh, the cat just brushed me. That might be what that means. Come to think of it, Kirby kind of looks like the world's cutest Boglin. Oh, God, don't remind me about Boglins. <laughs> oh, Boglin Watch 2016. Oh, it's taken a sour turn. Oh, dear. Complete collection of mini Boglins up on eBay. Bid on it. Four days go by. No one bids. Middle of the night when I'm asleep, someone adds one cent on the bid and gets it. Oh, I, fuck that. I'm just going to say... Anyone, anyone who adds a cent onto a, uh, an eBay bid at the last moment and gets it, you are an intellectual coward. What? You are a charlatan. You probably don't treat members of your family right. 
and I will fight you at a time and destination of your choosing with whatever weaponry we have to spare. You and are as, a bad person on a philosophical level. As Laura would say, you eat poop. You eat poop. Like see, loads I would I would hate to see you on the prices right when you you put that bid up there and then someone's like, Oh, he said five hundred dollars, I say four hundred and ninety nine. Oh fuck you. Jimmy. I, honestly, it, it drives me up the fucking wall. You have no honor. You have no honor. You have no self respect. Get some dignity, for God's sake. It's dark had honor. Where to get him? Jim it Jim did, it didn't get him any bog fins. The last time I got in, in a fight with someone on eBay, it was because they were inflating the price of a very special... Oh, God, I shouldn't, I shouldn't confess this. They inflated the price. I shouldn't be confessing this. Oh, God, this is terrible. Okay, this will require a long explanation afterwards. But they inflated the price of a very rare and special Insane Clown Posse mixtape. And I was pissed as hell. And I have not revisited that eBay account because even, like... Ten years later, I still don't want to see their blistering replies. But holy shit, guys, <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> oh, dear. No, I've gotten to the point where, it, unless I see a, a buy it now button, like, I mean, eBay is good for getting hold of shit, like, like, like Boglins I can't get anywhere else. But if I don't see a buy it now button, I more or less might as well give up on it because there's always some fucker, always some fucker with one extra cent in their pocket. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't bother. I have money. I could outbid any of you fucks for <laughs> your little one cent. You just get there when I'm asleep. Cowards. Oh my god. <laughs> I can just see you in front of eBay, a little drunk and also drunk with power. <laughs> Uh, That's it. I'm on my pain medicine and my red wine, and I'm just screaming. <laughs> Cowards! Come out and face me! Um, right, right. Let's move on. Um, so that Video that games. whole discussion was about the Bioshock collection. <laughs> um, I had an update on the thing we were talking about last week. Actually, you remember we were talking about like the Call of Duty channels um, and the Counter Strike channels gambling stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. All the sponsors. So, Stuff. Yeah, so there were a couple of them who, um, who actually, it turned out, owned one of these gambling sites and were gambling on the site, on their channels, without disclosing that they owned the site. And uh, basically encouraging their kid audience to go gambling on Counter-Strike stuff. And like I said last week, whatever you do with your own career, that's up to you. But for me, I would find that very... Uh, Morally that is bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. I find it interesting because, um, you know, the whole game journalist thing um, has has a lot of mistrust from certain sects of the internet. And a lot of those people who mistrust game journalism, and I'm, I'm neither defending nor attacking game journalism, I don't have a dog in that fight. Um, I inhabit some weird space, sort of neither here nor there in terms of games media. Um, but a lot of people would say, you know, oh, I can't trust uh, old games media anymore. I only trust YouTubers and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's because YouTubers do often have that kind of 
you know common person thing for them you know they're the working class they're they're gamers just like you um but it, it is always worth pointing out that it it is just as susceptible to any corruption that you may uh, encounter perhaps more so because they sometimes have even more so yeah because they're yeah. less inclined because like, to like journalists have yeah. like laws that they have to adhere to about that on about youtube is the wild west yeah. with that stuff no exactly i mean i that's exactly it i mean they've got that that almost girl next door appeal of someone like oh you're just like me and i can trust you but a lot of them aren't disclosing what's really going on because they have no yeah. obligation to so yeah. yeah and i um i agree with what what boogie said when he was very much a case of like just just like be skeptical don't don't inherently trust anyone and he included himself you know um and i, I would include myself you know you can't you don't 100 percent know a person especially just a person on the internet who you're a fan of um you know i could t tell you how incorruptible i am but i can't prove it um so it is it is always healthy to be a bit skeptical um and you know i say this as someone who whose work is predominantly youtube now i'm not trying to like bring youtubers down or anything i'm a, i'm a big like fan I, of youtube as a as a medium for not not the site but but you know uh, the the culture of, of youtube gaming you know that kind of stuff um but, but as, a, as like someone as someone who only makes songs and doesn't do like reviews or let's plays, the amount of offers for money I've had to say good things about games is ridiculous. So I can't even imagine what that's like for someone who does review them. They must get a ton more of it, which is already at a ridiculous level. You know? Yeah, I, I don't get many. I think I think if anyone knows me well enough to think I might be worth plugging something to, they know me well enough to know not to fucking bother. Yeah, um, I think that is definitely more of a thing with YouTube Let's Players and stuff, though, than it would be with journalists. I think so. I mean, we're very we much so because we, um, we have like machinima, filters. you know. Oh. Because like Marley, it is kind of the wild west. There's no the, the groundwork hasn't been laid down there legally, so yeah, there's not yeah. really. And yeah. a, a lot of them would class themselves or be classed by their audience as entertainers, um, yeah. no matter how influential. In influencers, that's influencers. the word. I got these emails calling me an influencer. <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't like that word. Apparently, that's why I don't get review copies from Nintendo. Um, I'm oh, supposed yeah. to, um, but they took me off of their list of reviewers and put me on their list of influencers, oh. um, which I guess get copies oh. late. Um, but then, even then, they just forget to send them, so I just gave up. I just buy their games now. Um, I don't regret a... review copies much anymore, if at all. I've, I've reached the point where I'm like, some of these guys, despite the fact that my reviews get more traffic now than they ever did on a quote-unquote official publication, um, like a lot of them, I guess, don't view me as that important anymore, or were looking for their excuse to not have someone like me reviewing their stuff because they can't count on me to give them a positive review. Um, and I've just reached a point where I'm like, unless they offer me the code, I'm not going to ask anymore. And I'm fine with that. I've got the budget for it. So I will just... Uh, most of my review copies I buy now, which has the added advantage of me no longer giving a shit about embargoes. It's like, yeah, this review will be a week late, but everyone, on, everyone who is ever going to read it will still read it because my audience is very built in so i don't have to rush something out to get more readers so it's it's made my life a lot easier not worrying about review copies yeah yeah i've had one pr rep tell me specifically that they don't give you stuff because you're too unpredictable i'm not surprised yeah. honestly not surprised yeah 
um, which is fine, but I'm st- I, I've got to go with what a Sega rep once told me, which was, why would we not send you stuff? You will just buy our games and trash them that way. Yep. Well, that's um, a pretty... I like that's like a very nihilistic approach to that. It's, it's true, though. Oh, did you read my tweets at the Sony party? They had a very specific entrance and separate registration for influencers. <laughs> and I know this because... Hayden and Sebastian and I walked by, saw the sign that said influencers, cracked the hell up, turned our heads a little bit more to the left, saw that three influencers were standing there with the most heartbroken look on their face, you guys. Like, oh my gosh, this is what they, this is their response when they think we're not looking. And then we just kept walking and, you know, honestly, I'm a games reporter slash critic. I also deserve to be laughed at, but I just, it was, (laughs) you know, it was just influencers. (laughs) That's the new bloggers, right? That's the new bloggers. I've got got a problem with... It gives you an aura of being a role model, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's a creepy (laughs) term. It's a creepy term. Like, I don't like being, I don't like the idea that I'm, that, like someone like Nintendo or someone would call me that. Like, like I get the, I mean, I get that my stuff can be influential. I mean, hell, I, I recently, and I'm quite pleased with it. I recently got a game greenlit just by featuring it in a new series that I've been doing, where I look at games on greenlight that are actually good instead of all those videos I've done of games on greenlight that look like shit. Um, and I did one video in a new series where I just look at promising greenlight things, and within the week it was greenlit because so many of my viewers went over and voted for it. Um, so I guess it's true, but when it's a PR person, when it, when it's a company, when it's a corporation saying, here are our influencers, there's just something very because evil it's, empire it's their, about it. It's their it implies slick, you're going to exploit your audience. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. It's slick PR speak for can leverage their social media influence. And that's that, that's what it is, is leveraging influence. And that's, that's why it's creepy. Yeah. That's why it's kind of... And it's like, I, if, I will, if I want to influence people to buy a game, it's because I've played the game and I love the game and I want more people to enjoy it. I will be an influencer on my terms. I won't yeah, be exactly. your influencer. You exactly. know, I'm not going to be just generic influencer. I will use what influence I have for, you know, the causes I believe in, whether that's, you know, pointing out some the ways in which steam needs to fix its shit or whether it's you know a game like like inside that i played i finished playing today and fell in love with like i got no problem using my influence there to tell people like yeah go fucking play that because if you liked limbo this shit will knock your socks off uh, but that's my choice that's not you know, I'm, I'm not see that, I think a generic the, influencer. For see, I think the reason that rubs you wrong, and it, it would rub me wrong to be called that, is because it kind of implies that you have an audience that would follow you blindly, and I don't think you want that kind of audience. Yeah. I think no. you want, I think you want the kind of audience that would think critically for themselves, and so that's so. No wonder that term makes you uneasy. It makes me uneasy. And a lot of yeah. a lot of YouTubers do cultivate that kind of an audience. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah that, that can happen. They can, you know, the cult of personality I mean, is a is a strong thing. And well, I, you exactly know, I because their their audience. Like I mean, their audience is still built up built up of people who base their identity on what they like and not what they are like because they have a very young audience, and so it's really important to keep that in mind when it comes to YouTubers. Yeah, yeah. and and there can be, you know, again, there are YouTubers who are very responsible um, with that 
influence they have. Um, you know, I would consider someone like uh, I've, I've certainly never heard of him getting up to shady shit, and I'm a, I'm a fan of his and uh, something of a friend of his. I've known him for years. I've known him when no one knew who the guy was. Um, but Angry Joe, I feel, is very uh, very on the level. Like he's very. He, he, he will point out bullshit when he sees it, uh, and he, he does have a an audience that I he, think trends quite young. He'll point it out to the developer or publisher in an interview with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've he, seen he him do that before, about, call people yeah. out on bullshit. Um, so, yeah, there are good, good people out there, there are shit people out there, like, no matter what the medium is. Yeah, and I feel like totally. trusting a medium is a bad idea. You can't just say, I trust YouTubers. It's like, no, no, no. Find some YouTubers who you trust uh, and, and sort of keep it more more micro think, than macro there. I think a lot of the time people who have um, are on the very top tier, definitely not as a general rule, but sometimes with business, it tends to be the less... Uh, scrupulous types that do rise to the top and and this is why this controversy is happening with the really really big youtubers because they're sometimes people with that kind of personality are the ones who will be the most successful because they'll just have no qualms about stepping on whoever they want to get where they're going you know yeah i mean like, again that's i guess that's true in most walks of life in, in or, or inspiring thousands of kids to gamble their mom's fucking money on on counter-strike skins you know like how can you sleep at night? <laughs> you know, leaves me with a skin crawly feeling. Um, speaking of, uh, speaking of shady shit, um, I don't know how, if either of, you, either of you have been following the Orion controversy that happened this week. Nope, don't even know what that is. I have no idea what we're talking about. All right, well, it's it's a it's a fascinating. Oh, story. oh, this was when this was this the game that apparently stole assets from from Activision. Uh, yes, that yes, although that's, that's, that's the fun punchline. Um, you ruined basically, it! Basically, <laughs> this game called uh, Orion, it was originally Orion Dino Beatdown, it's some first-person shooter um, with dinosaurs in it. Um, <laughs> it was taken down from Steam, uh, it was hit with a DMCA copyright takedown strike, uh, very much like, you know, a YouTube video might be, but this was a whole game, and Activision had done it. Activision had taken this game off Steam. So the developer of Orion, um, David Prassel, the, the head of the, sort of the, the face of Trek Industries, does this big, long uh, speech on the Steam forums about what happened. Uh, basically, they were the small underdog being kicked by the big bad corporation, Activision. And a lot of people took that at face value. And, you know, I, as a smash the state uh, corporation hating um, rabble rouser like myself, I looked at it and I thought, you know, I tried to be a bit measured. Um, I said, look, if Activision did that, that's not on. But I was very much a case of, oh, God, another fucking takedown. There's someone who deals with that a lot on YouTube. I, I was prepared. I was already lighting the torches, getting ready for this. And then in the space of an hour, I watched this company turn from victim to villain. It, it was this incredible transformation as the, uh, the Orion dev showed these guns. That was the issue was the guns in Orion looked a bit like the guns in call of duty, black ops three. And, the developer, David Prassel, he showed us some pictures 
of the guns, a side-by-side comparison. And they looked similar, but they didn't look identical. And so he was like, you know, I wasn't contacted by Activision. Uh, they never gave me a chance to possibly remove anything they found offensive. They just took me down. They're throwing their weight around. Uh, they're the big big guy picking on the little guy. Uh, and then some people on Reddit who, at first, there was this Reddit thread of, you know, Activision uh, uh, unfairly taking this company down. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. This is hang on a minute. And then some other editors looked at some other pictures of those guns from different angles and said, no, no, this bit here is taken from this gun here and this bit here is from this gun there. And it turned out that several guns were composites of guns from Call of Duty. And some other people were like, yeah, why is anybody surprised? They've been doing this for years. Let's look at these links. And then there were links of years of this developer stealing assets from other games. Um, Controversies about David Prassel himself, like taking $20,000 in a Kickstarter and then firing all of his staff. Um, from the game that just got kickstarted, so that you know nice. that was his twenty thousand dollars now, um, and it turned out that this company that was portraying itself as the victim turned into the bad guy, and it made a lot of people, a lot of people were myself included, like, well, it, it hurts to say it, but Activision's in the right, everybody, and mm-hmm. it was just, I've never seen anything like it of, of a company that had everyone on their side. And it just turned on a dime. And the developer himself just started losing his shit. He threatened one website who was reporting on the issue of legal action. He was sending them messages saying, you better be very careful about the words you choose. Uh, Oh, there'll be trouble. Um, He was uh, obviously removing comments critical of him on Steam. They all do that. Um, Claimed his account was hacked. And that's why he was attacking everyone on Reddit. <laughs> classic. Um, yeah, classic, classic goof. Um, it sounds I, like he created, he, he committed a form of digital homicide on his own game. <laughs> One could say. Well, he, uh, he, he eventually the next day was like, after much thought, I've decided I'm not going to sue Activision anymore. <laughs> this is after all the, all the shit had come out. Um, <laughs> I've decided I'm going to be the bigger man and not sue them. Um, <laughs> and that didn't go over well. And yeah, it was just... The, the, the funniest thing is, is if he'd have just sucked it up, he'd have... This would have gone away by now. But because he went to portray his company as the victim, it made everyone pay extra attention and he turned into a bad guy. I mean, he's got masks in the game, like helmets, that are almost exactly like Boba Fett's and Kylo Ren's. Oh, and it's just like, it, it really crosses over uh, from homage into pure, like, yeah, lawyers are, are going to tear you apart for this. Um, and it's funny because I, I spoke to the guy myself. I had an email exchange with him and got some quotes from him. And, you know, he started off reasonable, but over the course of that night, it was you were just watching the mask of this reasonable guy just slip away and, and this this bubbling weird kraken underneath just lashing out. You're uh, not in yeah. the right, mate. You are the verve and your game is Bittersweet Symphony. <laughs> oh, that song and gives give, me so fucking angry. Give all your money to Mick Jagger. Yeah. Uh, I loved that song when I was a kid. Oh, it was so I, disappointing to find out they stole the fucker. Like, yeah. 
the, the yeah. good bit of it wasn't theirs. Yeah, the and best part of the that, song, they stole it. <laughs> yeah, you take that out and it's just a guy going... <laughs> he was such a dreadful singer. Like, I remember that Lucky Man song and it was like hearing a goat going into labour. It was like, I'm a lucky man. Dude, wow. Uh, poor the verb. The music video was good, though. Or I bet they stole that. Oh, idea. they still, they still made an absolute mint. I mean, their album was oh, yeah. number one for weeks. Yeah, on they the were big. Of, uh, yeah. yeah, not as good as Babylon Zoo. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Spaceman. Uh, people were so pissed when they bought the actual song and realized and it that turned into like a grunge, yeah. weird electronic grunge thing after twenty the... seconds of the squeaky voice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I realise a lot of American listeners and, and Holly perhaps might not know to what we're referring, but there was a one-hit wonder in the UK um, called Spaceman by Babylon Zoo. That was the band. It Don't, appeared on a Levi's ad, if I recall correctly. That's what that's it was. It was it, a Levi's yeah. ad set on the moon. I think there were squirrels in it. Um, and it was this like like fast, funky song. And it'd be like, Spaceman, I always wanted you to go into Spaceman. And it was like like upbeat and, uh, and everything. And people went out, bought the song, bought the song. And the first line is sped up like that. And suddenly it's like, it's like this really like dull droning kind of electro grunge song. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, so I looked it's actually it, quite good, but it's no, it's not what people wanted. I just looked it up. It's actually rather surprising that I don't know this song in the sense that, okay. I would so, have thought it was a hit in America. Well, no, here's the thing. Know, oh, right? no, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like, in the industry, one of the weird things that I'm known for is having the best 90s grunge rock playlist. And it's because nice. I happen to be, nice. you know, I, I grew up in Western Washington in the 90s and listened to The End in Seattle, which was the grunge station of the era, right? Well, I also yeah. had Canadian radio at the time, which was kind of also came off the British charts. On top of that, I also had a cable uh, subscription that included The Box, which I don't know if you remember that. I remember The Box. I had yeah. The yeah. Yeah, so there's actually a lot of obscure well, British this, shit I ended like, up for, listening for me, to that, that me, I otherwise wouldn't have heard. the song grunge is a very loose... Very loose. To well, granted, well, not so much that it was grunge, but just that I got exposed yeah. to a lot of music from the UK that I otherwise would not have heard because I ended up seeing the box all the time. So there's some yeah, really yeah. random, weird, obscure shit that a lot of people would, I'm sure, British people would not even remember. You know, that I happened to pick up on. And so, I'm are you an are you are you an Alison Chains fan? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Seattle girl. Of course, I'm an Alison Chains fan. <laughs> In fact, um. So, yeah, when when they reunited with their new singer, I actually saw their first show. They played on the Oregon-Washington border at a festival. Um, yeah. yeah, and so I saw their first performance with the new guy. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. We saw them play with that guy as well, and they were fucking great. They rocked it. He rocked it. I mean, like, out here in Seattle, as a young woman, it's really easy to get a pedigree, like, really, really fast in this area. Like, for instance, my ex-boyfriend... Um, the first house he lived in with his parents in West Seattle, they actually sold to Mud Honey, and it was like in Seattle referred to as the Mud Honey House. So I was like, "Oh wow, your yep. parents own the Mud Honey House." And then uh, for uh, a while, I was dating roadies that had worked with all these different bands, like um, Eddie Vedder and uh, fucking what's his name that just died, Scott freaking Scott Wayland. Yeah, they they were writing Hogs and like hitting up 
this cafe called the Cat's Eye Cafe behind my apartment for, like, years. And then I was, like, dating roadies who had been working for them and knew all the guys. And, like, you cross path at parties and stuff. And they all come to retire out in West Seattle after a little while to do drugs and then die of that. So, you know, nice. <laughs> that's the Seattle scene still a little. Uh, nice. Probably my biggest regret in Seattle was um, I'd moved to West Seattle and one of our, we still have these real, this chain of legendary record stores called Easy Street Records. Um, that's just like one of the last little remaining bits of old Seattle that Amazon and Microsoft have not stepped out. And they were having a record release uh, party for a Pearl Jam album. And I was like, oh, well, that's cool. And they're doing free beer. You know, I should walk up here. I should try to go do more stuff. And I blew it off. I thought my boyfriend wouldn't want to do it. Turned out he wanted to do it too, but didn't think I wanted to. So we're like, oh, that sucks, you know? A week later, oh, oh, this kills me to this day. A week later, I go into that Easy Street record store. Turns out Pearl Jam had shown up, played a show in that tiny record store. They had filmed it and recorded it. They were selling the DVD and the CD for, like, years after that, and I had to see it every time I went in, like, ah, ah, remember that show? You were going to do the thing, ah. So now I live a life without regrets, you guys. <laughs> If I see something, I think, like, no. I think I'm going to retire in Seattle because, like, <laughs> Ireland, there's just rock, just isn't a big thing anymore. And like, yeah. with with the rain in Seattle, I'd feel right at home. So it's very comforting. You know what's great about the rain in Seattle? It's like the social scene in Seattle, where Seattle people just don't want to feel obligated by things. Good weather makes them feel obligated. Social interactions with people make them feel obligated. They're very and they just want to go home and hide in their hole. So, so we like so we really enjoy the weather up here. We enjoy the social scene. It's one of those take it or leave it kind of things and hey, when the weather's good, we really really enjoy it and when it's bad, we write it out. I kind of like that about did us. Did you did you play Infamous uh, First Light and did it do a good job of representing your city? First Light or was it Second Sun? It was or Second, second Sun, sorry. Yes. What the hell is First Light? What am I thinking of? Yeah, was that First Was that the DLC was, maybe? There was DLC, it may have been called First Light, I can't remember now. So, anyway, did, did you play it? And was it um, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't able to, because um, if I remember right, that was a PlayStation 4 exclusive, and I, and I still haven't uh, purchased yes. mine. I had to do Xbox One first because of review commitments at the time. But, um, you know, I paid very close attention to it and, and watched a lot of footage and looked at screenshots because you see a game like that, and it's like, wow, like this literally takes place in my neighborhood. I wonder if I can find my apartment building. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. it, you know, I think, I think people... It, I would put it this way. If a person from New York were to play Grand Theft Auto 3 or a person from L.A. plays Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, you know, they're going to see certain things that remind them of their home and obviously it's inspired by that and that's what it's supposed to be. But it's not enough, you know, to really make, oh, like, this is totally my home. So yeah. it's just one of those things. They're just kind of stylized and, yeah, you know, well, there's things you recognize, but it was still not. To its, credit, yeah. to its credit, though, I will uh, say that The Division did... Um, oh, yeah. I was going to bring up The Division, yeah. I heard that, I heard that, I heard that. I was playing it, and I guess it, it tells your location, uh, like where you are in-game, two friends of yours on the PlayStation Network. And a friend of mine who used to live in New York um, sent me a message, and they said, um, you are like, a block away from where, from where my apartment was, <laughs> and and she, and she directed me to it, and I went to the exact street and was able to get an exact shot of where where she lived. 
Yeah, it was really, and, and really detailed. And I sent it detailed. to AR. It, it was I was, covered a, I was in, able um, to find the obscure little hotel I stayed in on the division oh, map. It was so detailed. Special. Yeah, that was see, impressive stuff. See, that reminds me of... Um, so my best friend, my best friend in middle school, high school, when we parted ways because she went to college, we we stayed in touch through our bond through video games, and eventually I I introduced her to Fallout, which if any of y'all know me, that's kind of like that is a very significant event. I did it oh, right. Yes. I did it right. I made sure she played the first two first, so she could really appreciate the difference transitioning into the third. But the reason I wanted her to play the third was because she had gone to school for a while in D.C. and I wanted right. to see how she'd feel about that. Oh gosh, she was just blown away. Should, I'm like, um, I really want to see how people feel about you know, San Francisco folks feel about Watch Dogs 2. That'll be interesting to me. Mm. Yeah, I'm with you on the uh, Fallout 3 love, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, it's um, like my favorite, my favorite she was so She was so struck by that, and I was kind of jealous of that, really, because Fallout 3 is obviously the most tremendous and impactful game that I've ever played in my life and i mean it's significant me, me too to me. Not, yeah well like i mean yeah you should go look up my stuff i mean it seems like most of my work is actually about fallout i mean I, that seems like sometimes that seems like all i write about and uh oh nice yeah well, and i'm so definitely I'm, I, going on to look at your stuff good like i so I, I did an essay for the book shooter which was a series of essays by games critics about um the fps genre uh yeah, so, I, I wasn't asked to <laughs> only because they would think they could never cinch someone like you let me put that out there um i, I write about fallout a lot for paste i have um also for polygon and especially with in issues of um gender identity i wrote about that for polygon which was awesome um yeah that's fallout is a huge portion of my career and uh how did you feel about four? I, I, I loved it, but was a little disappointed very with it conflicted, as well. Very conflicted. Uh, Jim yeah. and I talked about this actually because he checked in with me about the game after it came out. Like I was like, "Oh, you care about my Fallout needs, Jim? That's so <laughs> sweet." Um, <laughs> it um, Fallout Four for me really confirmed that Fallout New Vegas is probably the best game of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and for I, me, Fallout 4 was the best-built environment, but New Vegas had by far the best, like, story and narrative. Best writing. But New Vegas really was, was a beautiful... Um, it was just a, a, a beautiful... Beautiful uh, game. Beautifully constructed uh, Yeah, it adventure. was. And it, and it was... I'm sorry, there's... To me, like, even as bored as I was with all that Hoover Dam shit, there's not a weak point in the writing of New Vegas. It's just like everything you come across is just so compelling. Whereas when yeah. I play Fallout 4, I get the residue lingering of missions made with sort of this mechanical autopilot, let's get through this kind of mentality that I, I feel there's this thoughtfulness that's just completely lacking. And, you know, when it came out, I thought to myself, this is my this is the Skyrim to my Oblivion. This is how Oblivion players felt that this beautiful game that they Skyrim. loved yeah. got yeah. got streamlined into something a little bit cheaper. And I think what contributed to that was some of the aspects that I did see in Skyrim was where um, part of the beauty of Fallout, and I discussed this in my review and several pieces afterwards. Um, the beauty of Fallout is this kind of it's the exploration aspects, but the, but specifically because everything feels so dangerous and forbidden, and you know. Uh, this undisturbed qualities in, in post-apocalyptia, um, just the Pandora's box aspect of it, where it's like every building you approach, you know, you're you're working towards it so far in the, off in the distance, it's this huge goal for you, and it's so hard to even get there, and then you, you get through that door, 
and the dust is settled and it's so still and silent and suddenly there's a story that's going to be told to you. You just have to pick up on yeah. all the clues and, and it's very methodic and it's every location had a story to tell even if there was no story at all because it was a testament yeah. to human resiliency whether it was the raider setting up camp there or you're just looking at some dead bodies telling a story of somebody's last moments the day the bombs fell and there was yeah. there was something there. And see, that got completely destroyed in Fallout 4 because now every location you're like, oh god, can I get some copper because like I really need to set up these lights in my settlement? And, yeah. and it's totally cheap. There it's was totally an cheap because, because it turns the game into a grind, which turns every location into a grind, especially because all the enemies are going to re, you know, are, are going to respawn after three days or so, and you're going to need to come back anyways to just to pick up scrap. And that's just only exacerbated by the fact of uh, the armor and the weapons customizations, which those in combination with the new legendary drops really cheapen the game because part of the game's identity, in my opinion, and this was something I dedicated an entire YouTube channel to. This was a huge part of my life as a gamer was uh, tracking down all the uniques. I would do everything to get every unique weapon, every unique item, every unique piece of armor. And that was the best part of the game in my in, in my opinion because there was a story behind every item and it had its own name the, and it had its own effect. The experimental Merv. That was right. amazing. Like, you found all right. the tapes about the Keller family. Right. I mean, there was a story told around each item even if it was only one that was positional and, and coincidental to uh, its location in a room that they were trying to tell a story with that. Sometimes it Nothing was... Nothing felt arbitrarily placed. Right. Was, and it was just... Yeah, um, very specific. Every weapon had its own story, its own yeah. history to tell, like those buildings. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Fallout 4 and you've got these legendary drops which have these modifiers and random prefixes that are just... Just shut up. I don't care. And... um. <laughs> So that cheapened things for me, like legendary what weapon drop. Just no, this is not Diablo. This is, is this Diablo? No. And then, uh, so that cheapens kind of not you know these really really unique powerful weapons that have their very specific uh, attributes and effects. So they're cheapening that with the prefixers and modifiers. You get all these unique weapons, and some of the effects are identical to those prefixes and modifiers. Okay, and then some of the unique weapons are also duplicates and effects. And it's just like, do, do y'all even care anymore? Like, I don't, like, I don't even know. And so, to me, it's, you know, in my review, it, it, it was like, this series is home to me. And I feel weird because I don't feel like myself in a place I once called home. And that, yeah. and there's other things that contributed to that, too. Like, there's, you know, not being able to build as dedicated of a character build because they removed um, all the skills. That 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 what that's Fallout. That's character. Yeah, I mean, was a bit of a kind of. I mean, that's I mean, the ability to like have a character that's very you know science and math focused, or very guns focused, or very stealth focused. That's a that is a huge part of Fallout, and now it's just gone. It's just gone. Also, as well, some of the um, the character themselves at the. And I obviously can't spoil it, but towards the end of the game, they're just completely stupid. They just do whatever they're told, and you. I wouldn't mind if the story had a set path it had to go on if your character could at least question it or say, why does this have to happen this way? But they kind of break the character at the end. They tried to do a New Vegas-style thing where you have to turn against factions and things, but your character never even gets the option to go, why do I have to do this? And here's the thing, too. And that too, really, it's really like, bothered me. Like, Bethesda does this thing where like they're trying to be edgy by like straddling a moral line by presenting you to scenarios where both decisions are equally shitty with their own consequences 
And, like, on yeah. one hand, I was like, oh, that's edgy. On the other hand, it's like, yeah, no, y'all are fence straddling. Like, because like, Skyrim. Okay, look at Skyrim. You can side with the ones who want free worship, but also they're racists, and they're tools of the Aldermary Dominion. Okay, awesome. Or you can go with the Empire, and they're jerks, too, because they're, you know, restricting free worship, and they got their own problems, and it's like, that was far less insidious than the decision they're trying to make me make in Fallout 4. Here's the thing. I've played over 400 hours of Fallout 4. I have not completed the final mission. Just out of protest, because it's bullshit. Like, I don't want to have to choose between progress and freedom you know i'm like how about i use my superior dialogue skills to be like yo you're my son and you're gonna fucking listen to me we're gonna use the technology to better the wasteland and you're gonna you're gonna take responsibility for these androids you've created and the and the, and the intelligence and life you've created and y'all are gonna listen to me because i have the biggest arsenal so fuck you you know like I want. We should probably. A satisfying when we're conclusion. editing this, by the way, we need to put a huge spoiler warning. I'll, I'll do a little. Uh, at yeah, the we of the do. Show okay, we, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do a little customary thing. It's no biggie. I mean, but I it, just like you said in Skyrim, there was that choice where it's like if you side with the Empire, it's like probably a better choice for a lot of reasons, even though they're the ones who are like cozying exactly, up with the old Marys. Right, and, and but then the Stormcloaks, who are the ones you your instinct tells you these are the ones fighting for freedom, you should go right. with them. But then if you look at the logical outcome of what is going to happen if they win, it might not work out so well. Right. Well, the thing is, I I've played Skyrim multiple times, and I've taken multiple story avenues, but there are two things I will never do. Um, in each playthrough, I've always done two things the exact same way. Never kill Cicero, the jester in the dark. Oh, yeah, never kill him. Yeah, never he's him. awesome. Oh, my God, I found him so annoying. Right, but he's a, <laughs> yeah, he is a good companion. Yeah, he's, he's incredible. I love him. And I have never and will never side with the Stormcloaks because yeah, they're exactly. all a bunch of okay. racist bastards. Okay, okay, so here's the thing, you guys. So I have a 12-year-old daughter, right? Um <laughs> Her dad and I have disagreed at times over at what age she should be allowed to play certain things. And so recently she kind of approached me like, Mommy, can I please play Skyrim? Because this game's awesome. I've watched my uncle play it so much. Can I do this? And so I was like, well, all right, you're 12. Obviously, you just want to kill some dragons. All right, I relent, right? She's like, well, that's good because actually Daddy already let me play and I'm a level 48. <laughs> 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 and so I, I would probably let my 12 year old play Skyrim and, I, and, I, I, and the first thing I told her you guys I was like sweetheart you can play Skyrim all you want but you are never allowed to play in favor of the Stormcloaks that was my one rule <laughs> that was my one rule and she was like but they're Nords and see we're Norwegian my family is hardcore Norwegian and I'm like yeah that solidifies my decision oh Nord you know Skyrim's for the Nords fuck those dudes giving us a bad name as white supremacists you are never playing as Stormcloaks Skyrim <laughs> <laughs> belongs to the Nords <laughs> That's, oh, see, I'm a good mom you guys <laughs> like I have priorities <laughs> oh well yeah um, well, we went on a tangent there didn't we yeah well we've not really it, it's I don't mind it it's, it's a different Different speed setting of podquisition when we're not we're not hitting the news beats. I apologize. Like, I mean, that's probably the trajectory it's going to take when I'm around, just because I like keeping up with the news. But I, you know, I come from this really hey, academic talking about place, Fallout. You know? It's all good with me. That I can. I feel like I can make a whole career of it. You guys just fall out. You know. <laughs> like last year, we drove our audience crazy because, and this year actually, because we just don't. We never shut up about Dark Souls. Oh so, gosh. Uh, 
Fallout uh, as well is one that I, if I had the option, I would talk about for hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I should make it clear, I do adore Fallout 4. I love it. It's just aspects of it let me down. You know, I've been, so you should look it up. I've been doing um, Fallout 4 Mega Settlements. And oh, nice. Yeah, so, so I did one, like a nine-story settlement at uh, the Starlight Drive-In that's called Starlight Bazaar. And that's... I presume you're using uh, mods, are you? Nope, I'm using. The, oh, really? Nope, I'm using. Uh, no, I I'm completely mod free. I use the gun scrapping oh, wow. exploit to make more room, which is completely. Yeah. It's it's an exploit. I mean, it, it works. Um, I also oh, I, don't worry. I give myself infinite junk in Fallout Four now. Oh, I do like, that now. Well, see, I only do that now because I do the mega settlements, and then I teach other people to do them. If I was doing it vanilla, you know, it was taking just way too much time. But yeah. I don't use mods. I did um for the. One of the DLCs, the workshop DLC that added all that that um, arena stuff. I did an, a huge settlement on Spectacle Island. It's called Spectacle Stadium. It is a legit recreation of an academic stadium or an athletic stadium. So, so you must have to be super economic with how you build then, if you're doing it without the mods that increase the space. Um, well, the gun, the like I said, the gun scrapping exploit, like I'll go and I'll, I'll do a couple of runs. I'll go to a bunch of places with a bunch of enemies, take all the guns I can get, uh, and then just yeah. come back and scrap them all. And it, it frees up all the space I need. And so, you know, wow. you do that a couple of times and it's fine. And the thing about Spectacle Island is it has enough room that I haven't actually had to do that even once, even though I have a massive stadium. It has box seating. It has, um, it has a, a couple of different bars. You know, it has automated doors. It has a really uh, high-end wiring system. I mean, like, I really awesome. went all out, yes. Like, and that's the thing. is like, I think settlements are the worst thing they ever did to fall out. I think it should have been DLC. I think it should have been this, you know, completely, like, add-on, optional kind of thing. I think it's very distracting and takes away from the game. But, really? the Sim- I love them. well, the Sims player, well, here's the thing. The Sims player in me cannot resist. I just have to do it so it's one of those things where like i've almost detached it in my brain from the fallout i once knew just kind of yeah i don't like this as a whole but like as a separate thing if i kind of detach it like i get a lot out of it and i, I love check the out settlements i just didn't like how they kind of tended to replace actual written towns yeah oh, okay fair fair yeah, yeah. anyway <laughs> So anyway, Fallout. <laughs> that was that was a lot of Fallout talk, um, which will, which is to be expected. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't put it together in my head, but the idea of Holly and Gav on the same show, I should yeah. have realised like there would be a huge Remi- chunk dedicated. To remind Fallout. me after the show uh, to link Holly May to Fallout Four songs, actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Um. Okay, Spe- well, speaking of yeah. that, I, I might be doing some cross-promo with Bethesda on the Skyrim remaster. Oh, I think they saw my job. tweets about how uh, salty I was for not being featured in the E3 thing. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a gross oversight, I thought. Well, yeah. uh, they, they, we've been talking about possibly some cross-promo uh, cross stuff for the Skyrim remaster now, so that could be fun. Interesting. Okay, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I think what I'm going to do, because we've um, we didn't really get through the news, but I don't think it's that important. That's fine. Um, we got good discussion either way without it. So I think I'm going to move on to yeah, fuck other the news. questions. Yeah, fuck the news. Can fuck I, the news. There's been, there's been so much fucking shitty news this week. Do we really need to add more news to yeah, the we news? Don't need to go over that. Um, we're going to go straight into questions. Can I ask I you take, a question? Yeah. 
Do I oh, yeah, get to do that? We do, we do questions from the audience. Oh. Oh, okay. Because I wanted to ask you a question, just out of sheer curiosity. Okay. Yeah. So, of all the games that are coming out on the horizon, what are you most looking forward to right now? Well, it's funny that you mentioned the word horizon. I was just about... Oh my god, right? Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> yeah. I was just about to say the exact same phrase in the exact same way Gav did. <laughs> I was about to say, it's funny you should say the word horizon. Imagine if we both said it at the same time. That would have been incredible. Um, you guys would have owed I, each other a Coke. <laughs> yeah, I'm too lazy to edit it so that it sounds like we did. Um, yeah, it sounds like all three of us then are, are in agreement that... that Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn is the thing, yeah. Yeah. Also very eager to get back into uh, Adam Jensen's shoes as well. I keep forgetting that's coming out. I, I keep forgetting. I really did like Human Revolution as well, so... Yeah, I, I got to yeah. play yeah. Mankind Divided at E3, and I liked it. You know, I've always meant to get around to Deus Ex, because um, I'm really into stealth games. Uh, yeah. First first time ever playing it, but I was like, all right, I want, you know, I want to see some more. So uh, I liked what I saw so far. And I am um, also pretty excited for the fact they're doing a Dynasty Warriors based on Bazaar. That's oh, that's, that's going to be fun. So, if I remember right, Jim, like me, you're into horror games. Would would that be correct? Oh, very much. So. Okay, okay. I think. Okay, the really good thing I saw at E3 was Here They Lie, and that's coming. To... I saw a trailer for that. Okay, yeah, it's weird, dude, dude. It's good. It's yeah. it's good. It's good. Yeah. I, well, here's the other thing. So I ran into the devs randomly on Monday night at the Sony party because I needed a, a cigarette light. And so I just started talking to them like, hey, why are you guys here? And they said, oh, we just announced our game. So I was talking to them. And I was like, oh, what are the horror influences of your game? And they were talking about Kubrick and stuff. And I said, all right, you know, if I run into, if I get a chance, you know, I'm going to check out this game. So I got a chance while I was waiting for The Last Guardian to open up. And I... I've just I've played so many horror games, but this one was just like, all right, I'm on board. It's it's what won me over, kind of to to VR because it was just this. It was like, okay, this is what this is made for, really. Just this very creeping, crawling, traumatic, hallucinatory experience. Just I, I yeah, don't know. the, the I, trailer I, looked like. I mean, it looked. I didn't very watch the trailer. Silent Hillish, but not too Silent Hill to be mistaken for it. It was just very... See, I don't know if I would... Here's the thing. I don't know if I would compare it to that at all based on what I played just because I was in these tunnels, you know, I'm like slowly crawling through them and just kind of picking up stuff as we go. You know, I, I have talked before about how cliche the, you know, found scribbled diary note pages thing, you know, how tired of a storytelling trope that is in video yeah, games. Yeah. But, they, but the writing of it is so good that like I totally forgive them for it. And then com combined with some of the mechanisms that they use to progress the player to move forward, um, and then some of the visual imagery, it was just like, oh, oh, we've we've got something really good here. This is this. Keep an eye on that. Like I, that uh, sounds wonderful. Yeah, yeah, between that and Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm like, oh, okay, this PlayStation Four <laughs> thing needs to happen sooner than I was going to make it happen. Well, because I was waiting for the announcement for PlayStation Four Point Five or whatever. Um, because it was like... Oh, yeah, the Neo thing. Right, and so it's like, why buy one now if there's just going to be a better one out soon? Um, you know, I referred to both Horizon and Here They Lie as a system seller, and that's because specifically I need to catch up and get those systems because it's just... I mean, I had such a great experience with Sony in general at E3. It seemed like seemed like Microsoft was just really dropping the ball. I don't think I, I saw anything from them at all, even though I was in constant contact with their PR folks. And then... 
everything I saw ended up being Sony, and all of it was just so good. Even the VR stuff, and I'm just like, you know, I don't want to buy into this whole console war thing, but if I'm just going objectively based on what I've experienced here, it seems like Sony's got their shit together by far, you know, so... So, yeah, I'm looking forward to hear they lied. I'm going to be following up with the devs to, to talk to them about the design of that. But I just felt like you really need to hear about that one because I think that would be up your alley. No. Like, like it wasn't shown at E3, but by a massive, huge margin, the game in the next few years that I'm by far the most hyped about is Cyberpunk. Oh, I'm just, you know, like, I don't know much really, about really psyched for Cyberpunk. Yeah. I mean, The Witcher 3 was my favorite game so far of the generation, so... What they do next is definitely on my radar. Yeah, yeah, man. The Witcher 3. I see Fallout 4 should have... All the accolades that The Witcher 3 got, Fallout 4 was supposed to have, man. But then The Witcher 3, that was RPG of the year. Vince, yeah. man. I mean, it, it, it was actually one of the things that kind of spoiled Fallout a little for me. Because in, in a post-Witcher 3 world, you're going to have to up your game with the RPG story writing. I completely agree. Yep. Yeah. So, what, 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 what were our questions, Yeah, Jim? what were those questions? Oh, yes, questions, questions. <laughs> I have yes. an amazing ability to derail. <laughs> I like it. I like, I like the derailing. It's fun. All right. Just give me one second before we start, because the uh, backup call recorder decided to just stop no. way through there, uh, which <laughs> won't be do, a problem if we've got we'll our do. own recordings, but I do want to be absolutely safe. Will, will we do another clap just so you can time it, so... Oh, no, no, that won't affect the, the thing. Okay, I... This fucking piece of shit software. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just have to hope that all three of our personal recordings uh, work. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, my... we, will, we will move ahead, and God, I'll keep the fingers crossed. Crash. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I've, I've got most of the show, um, but the questions are going to... I'm relying on luck. Uh, so anyway, I'll get to these right, questions. They're, f- they're from the Jimquisition slash Podquisition fan group page on uh, Facebook. Um, so I'm only going to use first names because I don't want to, because it's Facebook, I don't want to get too personal with names. But uh, let's go with, well, we did mention this. Uh, Julio asks, three months after Dark Souls 3's release, are any of you still playing it? And has your opinion of it changed in any way? Um, actually I'm not because so much other stuff came out like the Witcher Blood and Wine expansion came uh-huh. out Mirrors, Mirror's Edge came out like just so much stuff came out this month that I know I haven't played much Dark Souls I'm the same way actually like Overwatch took over a lot of my spare time playing mm-hmm. and I've had a lot of stuff to review as well plus, so. plus Dark Souls it's like it's such an oppressive dark depressing experience at times that like sometimes you just need a little break for something a bit lighter (laughs) like i've spent hundreds of hours on it and after that much time around like the amount of misery in dark souls i just need to see something colorful (laughs) yeah need some need some bright brightness and and cheerfulness to happen um honey did you ever play it at all um, I didn't, you know, it's it's interesting you brought up Overwatch, because I feel like um, of the time-consuming games that all came out and in succession, I feel like the folks who were playing Dark Souls 3, there was the draw of Doom, and then once Overwatch came out, it seems like, I'm not hearing as much anymore about everyone playing Dark Souls 3, I think people have kind of transitioned, and Doom and Overwatch seem to be kind of the things, you know, everyone's only got yeah. so much time to obsess over one game, and 
you know, Doom obviously so both of those good. are very, very time consuming. So, so yeah, I yeah, feel like Doom, I'm, I feel like I'm it would still be still just blown away by how good Doom was. Uh, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it was it was shocking because uh, yeah, I went into it with so many doubts, and it just it just slapped me in the face immediately and just said, <laughs> "Yeah, silly boy." <laughs> he was a shotgun. We all, like we all remember talking about the week before it came out. We were we were all genuinely worried it would be Very a bit nasty. Skeptical, worried, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, here's one from uh, uh, Siren. I hesitated there because I know I pronounced that name wrong. Because um, I can never get those names names beginning with the letter C. I never get right. Um, but anyway. Here's, here's, a, here's a nice philosophical question for us. You have the runs slash shit, whatever you prefer. <laughs> I'm glad that they, they gave that choice for us. You have made it to the bathroom successfully. You realize you have no toilet papier. You have your underwear at your disposal. It's your last pair of underwear. The, the apocalyptic situation. It's your last pair of underwear. What do you do? Well... Laura's not here, so I'm going to answer for Laura. Laura would have brought my pint into the toilet with her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and used that to clean her butt. <laughs> yep. What do you do, though? Uh, what do you do? Do we want to really... Can I give a really practical answer? Like, if I'm, like, honest, like honestly answering it? Yeah, we, like... like okay, if I was... Legi- okay. What happens. okay, if I was legitimately in that situation, what I would do is, of course, use the underwear and toss it. Or, possibly, if it wasn't that big of a mess, just turn it inside out. But the best solution would be to go out, see if anyone else is in the bathroom. If no one is, lock the door. Then you straight up wash that shit in the sink, use the hand dryer to dry it off, and boom, clean panties. There you go. 20 minutes, you're done. (laughs) I think what I would do is very carefully, loosely pull your pants back up, go into the next stall, and if yeah, that also okay. had no toilet paper, use the clean water from that toilet to clean your butthole. Okay, that's a good idea. That's a good one. Yeah. Now I. Um, yeah, I mean, you could hose it off directly in the sink. You know, uh, like if no one else was in there, like put your butt in the sink and hose it off directly. I just hose that in, anus off. But <laughs> in my in my in my local rock bar, somebody uh, wrote, "I came on this on the handle of the toilet flusher." So. People generally don't flush the toilet in there. And I, I always wonder, is it because of what someone wrote there? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're that trusting. They're like, yeah. he's probably, probably, he's probably right. Me, yeah. but what if and as did? we all know, cum never comes clean. You can wash yeah. it a thousand times. <laughs> that was a good question. More of that, yeah. please. I don't know what I'd do. Like, like, it's a 50-50 shot whether I'm even bothered to wear underwear that day or not so i i don't know what i'd do like i guess i wouldn't i'm not as inventive as as you two so i i feel like i would just sit there forever see to me part of this is experience because one time i was at a dragon force show yes dragon force because they're awesome shut up and got thrown up on like literally on my butt and so (laughs) i had to I, i was at the paramount i i mean i had to figure that shit out so like i am no stranger to like being pantsless in a women's washroom (laughs) hosing (laughs) off my jeans like i'm totally comfortable with this you guys (laughs) so so jim basically what you're saying is you would get your phone and google how long does it take to die of starvation (laughs) i mean you'd have toilet water to sustain you 
will I die of starvation before this all dries out so I could get home and then just chisel it off? That'd be the question. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm sorry. This is a great question. Matthew doesn't have a question there, but did want to fanboy over the idea that you were going to be on the show, Holly. Aw, that's so um, nice. They've been waiting... Um, for us to do something together well, for I did, years, apparently. I, I, I mean, I feel like we really delivered with this hosing off the anus thing. I feel, I... yeah, hosing off the anus <laughs> is, first of all, going to be the show title now, and second of all, um, very much worth the price of entry, I think. Um, it wouldn't be a podquisition if there wasn't something gross. Absolutely. I know, I, felt, I, I mean, I felt this pressure to deliver, really. I'm just like... I have to live up to this legacy. So. Oh yeah, I mean, it's safely <laughs> banked now. Like we could, we could do nothing for the rest of it and be fine. Um, Kyle asks if you ha- could have any failed game remade to its full potential. Ooh. Which would it be and why? Ooh. Ooh, that's such a good oh, question. You think that's failed though? Commercially, I think it did, didn't it? Or did uh, it not? I don't, I, know. I don't know. It had enough of a following that they did Okami Den, but yeah, yeah. I know it's critically yeah. acclaimed. Yeah, because I mean, we, we I guess we have to design the, the design. I guess we have to, to define uh, what failed means in yeah. this regard. When, yeah. for me, when for I me, say, with that game, failed means not being able to skip the dialogue. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, when I say failed, followed up by remade to full potential, I'm imagining basically the question is a game that did not live up to its potential. Okay, yeah. And it's it, the question basically is. What game did you want what? to like but didn't? Or some, you know, it's it's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mirror's Edge Catalyst, I suppose, would be the most recent one I can think oh, really? of. Yeah, yeah, that one was uh, that was a really mediocre game. I felt in the long run, I didn't. And I was I, super. I don't know why, but I got really excited about that game and <laughs> thought it was going to be amazing. I I believed you, EA. I believed you. <laughs> it was a bit of a letdown. Um, for me, I guess I would go with, uh, I mean, Aliens Colonial Marines would be the easy one to go oh, with. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I, if I could have gotten that game to be what, what, what I was told it was going to be, I'd have been very happy. I think The Division was kind of a letdown as well. I was really looking forward to that one. Like, if I look over the span of my career and I try to pinpoint one game that was just, I, this might... Come as a surprise. I think um, for me, the biggest disappointment and the most squandered potential and obvious mishandling that I regretted even having to see was Sonic 4. I thought that was. Yeah. I'm a huge Sonic the Hedgehog fan. It was really great, you know, getting back into a game that actually felt like the original Sonic games, but I felt like they didn't put enough faith behind it, faith in the audience. Or anything. I mean, to go episodic at that time was too risky, and it showed how much they didn't believe in the project. And I don't think that really helped. Um, I think they should have just released the completed project all at once, especially because of the legacy of Sonic games. And um, yeah, I, I always look back at that. And I'm like, man, that was a really key mishandling for them. Where it's just, yeah, there, there's been stuff since that wasn't as bad. You know, Sonic Generations, for instance, got some really good marks, but that was one of those things. Like, man. Um, as for, uh, you know, and if I, if there was like one game where I could go back and it's like, if I could sit the developers down and be like, let me tell you all the things you did wrong. <laughs> I mean, of course it would be Fallout 4. I'd be like, you need to change all of this shit. I mean, I feel like I could write an entire book on all the I, things that they should change. You know, so, you I, know. I, 
I'd actually sacrifice Fallout 4 if I could do the same thing for Mass Effect 3. Mm, okay. That's That's been a theme on this show that me and Laura like always oh, argue. God. We, the fact that you mentioned that <laughs> and Laura isn't here to have another 25-minute long argument with you about yeah. it, like, that feels so good. To hear the yeah. words Mass Effect 3 and not and have it not followed. Really an argument. Like, it basically, Holly, I... Let me have Holly, to grab I, my phone and play Spider-Man or Pocket Mortis or something instead. Basically, Holly, I hate the Mass Effect 3 ending as a massive fan of the series, and Laura likes the ending, so we get in these, like, arguments about it that go on forever. Now, when you say she likes the ending, do you mean the original ending or the new ending? Um, um do, she likes both of them. Oh, she likes both of them. Okay. And do you like yeah. neither of them? Is that the thing? Yeah, I just don't. Oh, okay. I think they completely screwed the pooch on, like... <laughs> The entire ending. So. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah, yeah I new information to you, Holly. I, I hear this every week. He hears it every week. <laughs> every week. Um, <laughs> Daniel asks, when there is a spider in your house, do you smash it, move it, or leave it alone? Oh, it's put it out the window. I do neither. I have a, a cat, and I just call him, uh, and I nice. stick the cat on the spider. Now, if Alex is home, that jerk, scoops it up into a cup and sets it free to terrorize us once again when it wanders its way back into the house. We have a lot of fights over this. But in general, I have my cat take care of that shit. Nice. It's in nice. general, <laughs> I, I leave them. I, um, I'm not arachnophobic. I don't particularly like them, though. Um, so I don't like to touch them or go near them. Um, but I'm not Squeak like squeaked out by them being in the house. Um, I mean, I feel like on I, occasion I've I've moved guys, outside. But do you guys find that the older you get, the more afraid you are of creepy crawlies? I've no. I don't know what's wrong with me. When we were kids, we used to go and hunt them down in the garden and eat them and like play uh, you with them. Spiders? And like, now I won't. I'm like afraid to touch them. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Like, okay, I have to put it out there that I live in the Pacific Northwest, in the woods out here, we have humongous spiders. And I still, like, I don't know, around fall, now that I do photography, but especially nature photography, now I get fascinated with spiders from that perspective. And so I love taking photos of them. But I gotta say, we got some gnarly suckers out here. There's, just, there's oh. no photos of them on your site that I'm gonna look at, is there? Uh, no, just on my Flickr. Just there are some on my Flickr. Put yeah. a trigger warning for me in front nope. of any spiders. Nope, only on Flickr. Only on Flickr. I mean, I have a really great one of a spider I found last year under a tomato leaf that had decapitated a fly and the head was hanging from wow. its lair. I was like, that is the most metal fucking shit. I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that's like a fucking uh, like a cannibal corpse cover. Yeah, there. you can you can go to my Flickr, guys. Holly Green Photography. <laughs> uh. Uh, Thomas says mad balls were better than boglins. Um, he's wrong. Um, nothing wrong with mad balls, but boglins were better. He's wrong. Um, this is a good one. Mark asks, which game was the first that convinced you that video games are more than just a distraction? One that Ooh. fully. Feel like you fully fell into it and played it for days and it kind of redefined that games were more than just toys. Uh, Mark mentioned that Command and Conquer was theirs, but... The Fallout 3. <laughs> Fallout 3. <laughs> for me, it was uh, Zelda Link to the Past. Oh, that's a good choice. Mm -hmm. That's a good choice. Um, for me, it would have been, uh, I guess, Final Fantasy 7, which mm -hmm. is uh, it's a fairly obvious answer, but it's... Mm -hmm. It's I think that was a lot of people. Yeah, it was 
Um, Very you know, true if, I'm, for me. if I'm digging a little deeper, I would probably say Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one really got me. But in general, Fallout. But 3. but I'm I'm gonna back Holly up on Fallout Three in that that was the game that turned me from someone who liked video games into a full blown exactly nerd exactly gamer. exactly yeah. that that was a really key point for me in my career because I was like trying to branch out from Nintendo games. Nintendo games made me feel safe and I didn't feel challenged at all. And it was like I need to expand my knowledge. And someone recommended Fallout Three to me based on what they knew of me. And then I played it. It was just like that was. I mean, it's been my life ever since. So. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. game was a big life changer for me as well. Yeah. Like, there was an entire two month period where I thought about nothing but Fallout 3. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, because I was playing it up to 12 or more hours a day, and then my boyfriend would come home, and I'd spend two hours talking about what happened to me in the game like it was my actual day, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. well, then I came into this building, and this all happened. It's just, have, I was, have I was you guys a hard ever time seen life, um, Angry Joe's review for Fallout 3? I have not. He's basically, he can't stop, he's doing a skit, he basically can't stop playing it, and his girlfriend is like, seriously, I'm leaving you now, and he's like, can you pick me up more Fallout 3? <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> it kind of is kind of what happened to me when that game came out as well, I just could not stop thinking about it, like, full-blown obsession, like... It always made me really sentimental about the mod community, I've always had such a soft spot in my heart, and... You know, when I when I found Fallout 3, I was in a really bad place in my life. And so it was very scary, typically, just a, just a retreat for me. And then when I came to the mod community and it was extending all these hours into the game for me, I, I got very sentimental about it because it was like, here are these people out of this labor of love are extending all these hours into this game that was my only refuge. Yeah, for free. My only yeah. refuge and reprieve at the time. Like, they have no idea... Like, the misery that they were helping me escape at the time. They have no idea how much I needed that at the time. And, like, my gratitude can't even be expressed as people. I very much sentimentalize that. That just, um... You know, I feel a bit bad for the mod community at the moment because, um, like, I know a few people in the mod community and they've been saying that since it opened up to the console players, they've never seen the amount of, like, abuse and anger and, like... Entitlement? I think it's fair to say a lot of the console players would be very young. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. they're demanding things in a way that's just, they've never, they're not used to it. Because, you know, the PC modding community is built around respect. Oh, definitely. But it's sadly yeah. just not that way with the Xbox players. And yeah. they've been getting, like, death threats. And, yeah. I, and I was thinking, you know, they probably should have expected, not, not they should have, Bethesda should have expected that this Yeah, I think happen. there's, a, I mean, there's going to be a difference in the mindset of console players versus PC players in that sense. Um, when you consider console players, you know, they're very used to, what they get is what they get. It's a completed project. There's no give, altering it. Give it to it. me now. Right. And, <laughs> and whereas, PC, whereas PC players, we have, you know, a little bit more freedom to play things that are imperfect and, you know, not 100%, but we're still going to enjoy it and appreciate it. And we have the tools to, to find workarounds and to make these things work. We're just m- more used to imperfection and things in an unfinished state. So I think, therefore, we're maybe a bit more forgiving. Um, yeah. I, and I'm not trying to be, like, self-congratulatory there about the PC community. I just think we're more used to things yeah, in an unfinished it's, it's state. Hard to, yeah. It's hard to discuss this without coming across like an elitist prick. But it, it is. Just from I, what I, I've I heard apologize. from the mod community, there's been a lot more abuse fired their way since they opened it up to the console stuff. Yeah, that's a shame. Mm. I feel anyway. like the, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to do one more question. I, I know there's a lot of people ask questions. I, I apologize profusely for not getting to uh, all of them or even most of them, but we've, we've been going for a while and my uh, 
my, my back's not liking me right now for being <laughs> sat here, so I'm going to have to wrap things up. Um, yeah, so one question, which is aimed specifically for Holly. Uh, this is from Matthew. Um, if you could make one video game-themed beer, what style would it be? What game would it be styled after? Um, you know, I've already been kind of throwing this idea around because uh, I have some people interested in um, a fiction project I'm writing right now. And yeah. I think... Uh, I think when I get to making a game, it will probably be survival, and I think it will be a mixture of elements like, um, this is going to sound really random, like somewhere between Kentucky Route Zero and The Forest, where, it, you know, there's going to be the strong survival um, mechanisms and a focus on that, and then, but at the same time... Um, a very weird mysticism and, and bizarreness that I really want to get across. You know, the series would be set in the Pacific Northwest woods, which has always been a real fascination for me. You know, I want to write something weird and character driven. I want to write something that reminds me of Twin Peaks in that it's strange, but you love every single person you come across and want to be their best friend, you know? <laughs> so, um, if I'm, when I create something amazing one day, that's going to be along the lines of what I create as a game. I get the feeling you missed two words in the question. Oh, did I? Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I've been drinking so much whiskey. Your answer oh my God. was so, like, excellent. I didn't want to stop you because oh I was worst. really loving what you were describing. I'm just the worst dingbat in the world. I'm sorry. Because the question, well, the question was a lot less deep than that. Oh, God. They asked if, if you could make one video game themed beer. Beer. Oh, my God. I missed yeah. the word beer. Oh, my God. Like, oh honestly, my god! Like, the answer okay. you gave was like genuinely fascinating. So I didn't oh god! Want to stop I'm so it. sorry. I missed the word beer. I I did not oh, hear fine. that with that's your fine. accent. I'm so sorry. Um, beer. So I've already given this thought because we were talking about doing a supplement to Fry Scores with my friend Kinsey Burke, who is just the most amazing home brewer here in the Seattle beer scene. Uh, so we were jogging around some ideas of what we could do to bring like three brews as a supplement to the book. Um. We were looking into beers that already exist in video games. We were thinking about beers inspired by video games. I think what I'd probably end up doing, there is a, um, a juniper ale, I believe, in Skyrim. And juniper kind of evokes to me, you know, gin and IPA and that sort of thing. We were thinking about kind of as our first little project, like try to specifically tackle something like that. So my thought had been, I'm going to be buying some little mini barrels at a local distillery that does my favorite gin, Copperworks Gin here in Seattle. And then I was going to age and it was it a was it a beer? It might have actually been a wine. I believe it's the juniper wine that you find outside of um Helgen at the beginning of the game. If you listen to the dialogue, they give you a clue as to where that is. Um so you know if we were to age that in the gin barrels and let it soak up uh all of the herbal elements of that uh, along with whatever we wanted to add to kind of make it into a mead. That's what it was. Juniper mead. Specifically a mead. Um, which is, she and I are both Norwegian. There's a strong history of mead there, which is specifically why we really wanted to do this project. Yeah, I really feel like that would be the first one. I'd tackle the juniper mead, gin barrels, age it, um, do a really specific spice, get a local honey to do it. Oh, that's... I actually really look forward to doing that. There's a local uh, women in brewing event every year here in Seattle that Kinsey and I kind of want to get in on and whoosh that would be a great entry let me tell you 
So I had a good answer for both of those. <laughs> there you go, yeah, two, two, two perfectly good answers. So and then that's, the other beer, that's a good way to end up. Yeah, there's a Fable 2 beer as well. It's an IPA, okay. Optimus Prime. That's the other one I'm considering. Because nice. I just love those IPAs. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> okay, well, that about wraps things up. Um, Gavin, people have listened to the podcast, and honestly, their lives are empty now, bereft of other stuff to do. What can they do with specifically relating to you? It's that bit that I do they, at the end. They, they can go listen to some awesome music on my uh, YouTube channel at, Mir- uh, at Miracle of Sound. No, that's my Twitter. Just look up Miracle of Sound on YouTube. Uh, and uh, yes, Holly, there is kind of some grunge songs in there. I might link you a couple of them. <laughs> Do you got any ska? And, uh, a lot of heavy rock stuff as well. Like my Doom song was... Uh, very successful last month so and follow me on twitter at miracle of sound and yeah there you go excellent and holly people um who may not be aware again as unfathomable as that is um whereabouts can they follow you see you check out all your stuff i think the best place to follow me is probably on twitter beware i do tweet a lot and obscenely, but that is, I do promote my work a lot. You can um, find links to uh, my work over at Paste and whatever I'm currently working on. I do freelance for Polygon, Gama Sutra, Paste Magazine, etc. So, best place to keep in touch with me. Okay, You're and that is uh, winners, winners use drugs. drugs. Yep, winners use drugs. It would all be, one word all together. Naughty, yep. naughty. I know it would it would be hard to forget that. You know, I've had that username for about. 10 years now and I kid you not every week I got someone like oh it's like winners used rugs though like like rugs though but like not drugs I'm like yeah that's that's really good that's I just I just followed you so I'll follow you back you know I swear I've seen your username I say go follow Holly yeah I I swear I've seen your username before so I definitely definitely gotta check that out you don't have any ska right you don't do ska I'm I'm really into ska no, actually, um, <laughs> that's a funny thing. Ska I'm kidding, like I'm kidding, I'm very, kidding, I'm kidding. It's one of the very few genres I find very few songs I like in. Well, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm totally teasing. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up for Inquisition this week. Um, thank you, Holly, for being on. Um, thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> uh, well, it's been a long time coming. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, like you have been in the line to like do a recording with me of something for like literally years i would like Um, fish fish shark still hasn't happened yeah yeah we we really need to get on with that yeah like i still want to do the thing we discussed for fish shark like that whole that whole bit because we've never we've never mentioned that celebrity on fish shark and oh, we really do need to. Yeah. Uh, we need to break the seal on that. I so. mean, I've got years of material, literal years of material at this point. <laughs> yeah, if um, if you are uh, unfamiliar with some of the the, the, the more um, like comedy focused stuff Holly does, uh, there is a. I think it's on. I think it's, is it a Storyfy? I put it on Storyfy. Yeah. Storyfy. There's a Storyfy called "I Don't Want to Set the World on Fury," <laughs> and it is. Holly's tweets and, and basically just just constant thoughts about Guy Fieri, and they are they are just some of the most amazing things I've I've ever read. At last, at last count, it's been about three years as of this July, and over two hundred jokes about over Guy Fieri. Two hundred jokes about Guy Fieri, and they are 
they're impeccable. Like, <laughs> like they are just they're they're magnificent. Do check them out. Um, just just and, before we go as well, yeah. um, listeners, go send a little love to Laura on Twitter because she's having a hard time with her of transition course. and she's been in a lot of pain and stuff. So go yeah, send her I, a little love on Twitter. She's uh, as, you, as she announced to the world. Um, this this past weekend i have a vagina now very excitedly um but yeah it's uh she's in the recovery process which of course is uh well if you follow her on twitter she, she does not spare the details and yeah. she's very just you know really um putting i mean i think it's amazing she's like being that detailed about it like really putting yeah. herself out there there, and, there are not a lot of people who would be that honest with the public yeah yeah and vaginas yeah, are just Vaginas are just always a pain in the ass, aren't they? No matter, they just always <laughs> are. It just, it just, just always. They just always are. I sympathize completely. <laughs> yeah, definitely send Laura K. Bars on Twitter some, uh, some love and, and well wishes, and you know, thinking about her every day and looking forward to her getting back and, and being fighting fit again. So, good, good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, she'll be fine. She will be fine. It's, it's rough, but she'll get there. Right now. I know. Fully believe that. And as for everyone else, thank you for listening, as always. Um, thank you for your support on Patreon if you are supporting it. If not, just thank you for listening, sharing, whatever it is you do. And we will see you next week, possibly. Um, I'm, I'm going to speak to him provided and see about scheduling. Uh, provided it doesn't, everything doesn't fall apart. <laughs> yeah, provided that everything doesn't fuck up. Uh, next week, we may have Justin McElroy on. Um He's down to appear on one of them. It's just uh, I want to get his schedule down. So hopefully next week we'll have Justin McElroy. If not, it will. It may just be me and Gavin just struggling for things to say to each other. Um, <laughs> so look forward to that, and we'll see you next week. Uh, come on, mate. Bye. Bye. Bye.